The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 47 of the MX Vice podcast show. Great to be back. Sorry we've been away for a few weeks. I'm James Burfield from MX Vice, Even Strokes. And on the line is Lewis Phillips, editor of Even Strokes. And in studio is Rob from Jukebox Beats. As always, the show is brought to you by Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and of course, Talon Engineering. Without those guys, obviously we wouldn't be here. We say that every week and that's literally for a reason because those guys support us 100%. Also, as you know, Fly Racing have been supporting us this year. Fly Racing's redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation, and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. Still, JT, Max, from Fly, I would love to try the Formula Helmet. I need an upgrade. I need to try a new helmet. And I'm willing to, after years of being on that array. Lewis, how was Spain? Uh, How are you and how was Spain? I am great and Spain was great. You? Yeah, I, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm just uh, working hard here in, uh, in the UK, just trying to make things happen with Even Strokes. Oh, huge thanks to everybody who's supporting us with Even Strokes. Honestly, it is unbelievable. We're uh, doing our bit to try and make motocross a little bit more affordable. And um, absolutely fantastic the support we get. It's just unreal. Like, and we're having so much fun as well with the guys we're sponsoring. We're sponsoring um, uh, the Midpack Mafia. 20 riders who were looking after this year. Awesome families, awesome kids. And they're doing a brilliant job of, of talking to people about what we're trying to do. And we had our first ride day and, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, great times, Lewis. Great times. Um, yeah, yeah, how, was, how was the car park GP? Was it good? Mm, I'll take that back. No, you don't mean that. Well, um, it was just a bit weird because I was watching the traffic behind the racetrack, there's like, like looking at the vans and, and, and the cars going past and stuff. But I know you're a fan because um, there was fast food and hotel and uh, everything, which you kind of like next to the track, which is cool. I'm, I'm trying to compose myself and not lose my shit with you. Could the riders ride off the track and go for a drive through Okay. Okay, right. 
I need to say my part. So the track wasn't in the car park, first of all. It wasn't actually in the mall. Like, I'm pretty sure legally, if you had to legally, like, sanction it, it was not in the mall. Like, it was not part of the mall. It was next to the mall. Like, similar to, okay, Matley Basin's in there, in the middle of nowhere, no field, like, nothing in the fields around them. If they built a mall next to Matley Basin, would you then suddenly go, oh, look, it's been a mall, it's next to a mall, this is shit. Did they have a JD Sports or a Primark? They had both. <laughs> so you could, uh, oh, this, yeah. You so they could have a. You my question. What? You completely ignored What was your question? If they built a mall next to Matley Basin, would you suddenly go, oh my God, this is shit. Ugh, there's a mall there. Ugh, what the fuck's this? Ugh. I am. Um... I'd also like to thank Paul Malin because I slept through the last two GPs, uh, two races. That's because you're old um, and just in the way in life. No, no. I, I, I've spoke to a couple of people and it, because we're all reliant on MXGP TV now, we, it just, I think it's got to be a bit more exciting. What does that mean? What, like, I, I don't oh. know. I... Right, okay, stop talking. Stop talking. The GP was not the most exciting. That happens. Oh, I know that's not. I know that's not Paul Malin's fault. I definitely know that. But it's like sometimes I think it would it would help if there was two people on there. Okay, that's you're way off track now. The GP was not the most exciting. Okay, it was fairly processional, and yeah, is that because it was a shit track? That's no. That's put a dampener on the track. People have gone. Oh well, we blamed we blamed Spain. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, Spain's fault, yeah. No, the track, not everyone was surprised that the track did not open up for as much passing as people predicted. Everyone thought it'd be fine. So next year, they can make the tweaks and it will be a lot better. But as a GP, like, ignore that. Mantua was the same. You're not, you're not shitting on Mantua, are you? Man, there was no passing in Mantua. But I'm not being funny, but... Right, stop, I haven't finished. I haven't finished. No, but I'm just saying, right, you just said something very... These track builders, they've got to be into their what fourth, fifth, sixth year of doing it. Oh my! How God. can they? How no, can they not? not how not. can they not build a track which you can pass on? Surely they've had a little bit of practice now. It's not that simple, is it? Tracks develop differently. You could run a race on that track this weekend, and it would develop differently, and suddenly might develop in a way that passes can be made. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you don't get this problem at Formby MX. Brilliant. You've complete like honest. I, I actually don't know how to bloody speak to you right now but i'm going to just power through and get back to the gp in itself um spain has, spain has really struggled with obviously having coronavirus stable mx that as well spain has obviously really st- struggled with having a stable uh, mxgb home since bell peak in the 2000s why don't they bring that back i don't know i just wanted to ask someone that well, i think it's done but anyway they went to la Baneza in 2010 obviously you remember Where- that what was what was that? Is that is that where they sang La Bamba? Okay, uh, they went to Red Sand. That was one and done. Uh, Talavera was there for one or two years. But anyway, I feel like this has the potential to not only be the home of the Spanish GP forever, but also could even be. This is only my opinion. I'm ne- no one. Oh, don't don't fucking be. say it. It's too okay. early in the show. This could be a decent no. motocross of nations place. You are such a dick. I genuinely believe that. How long have you been on the payroll? Because, 
Well, I thought I thought about this, right? I was like, huh, this would be a decent motocross of nations track. And I was like, well, if we came here, the weather would be good. And I was like, wait, hang on. We're basically one weekend removed from the GP now, and the, the weather's amazing. I was like, huh, that would be good. And I was like, well, it's got a, it's got hotels, so that's tick. It's got um, capacity for parking, so that's tick. Got Primark. So all they needed, all they need to do is tweak the track, which is what they do. No, no GP visits a new track for the first time, and it's just like, wow, this has nailed it. There's always going to be little tweaks that can be made second year round. Same with any walk of life. I bet when you started your first business, you made a shit like you were like, oh, I'll do that better next time. Fact, you don't even have anything to say. The fact remains, the GP has a potential to be a bloody good one. And every single rider I spoke to said the track was amazing. And I hope we come back here. So what more do you want? You're at home watching a stream. I was there gathering information to deliver to you. If you're going to just throw that information away, then what's the point? Well, we've got Tesco just around the corner. And there's something called a coal batch or a slag heap. Uh, so we've got a little bit of elevation there. I reckon we chuck some some uh, soil down on the tarmac. We'll close down Tesco for a weekend. We have the nation's air. No, but this is the point. You're completely losing the plot. You've, you are one of the bloody people who, oh, okay, uh, oh, GP in Spain this weekend. Let me just log on. Oh, oh it's, a, it's a man-made track. Oh, it's a man-made track. Jesus, oh, well, that's going to be shit, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, what's near? Oh, there's a mall. Ah, oh, I can't believe there's a mall nearby. What the hell are they? Like, you've just jumped 15 conclusions down the road. The track wasn't part of the mall. It was on a field next to it that had elevation. I fell asleep. Yeah, because the racing wasn't great. The racing wasn't great in Mantua either. The racing this weekend. Okay, fuck it. here we go. I fucking got you on the ropes here. You ready for this? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, crack yep. on. I'm okay, on you're, on, you're on the ropes. Here we go. Normal this weekend. Looking forward to it? Not really. Okay, that's, you know, you know where I'm going. <laughs> Answer truthfully. Normal this weekend. Should be good, huh? Well, um, I've got a 16-hour drive. Okay. I've got to have loads of things stuck up my ass and my nose to see if okay. I've got COVID. Okay. You're missing, I'm not asking you generally. The Lommel, the Lommel race this weekend should be good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. everyone thinks that. Yeah, strange in a flat field on an industrial estate. You can yeah. ride to McDonald's. You can, the riders could get ride to McDonald's from the track. Yeah. Exactly. But because Lommel has got this connotation of, oh, it's Lommel. Oh, that's been around for years. 1981, they had a nation's there. Immediately, you've gone, well, that's fine then. You've just, you've like, oh, oh I don't know. I don't know with you. Well, maybe maybe, right. we should, maybe we should have discussed your feeling. Like you've you've missed the boat completely. It's a good track, a good GP. Few tweaks needs a few tweaks to open it up a bit more. Another thing that's got that's got going for it, and I really thought there wouldn't be any complaints. And there, to be fair, there hasn't been uh, from fans. I mean, everyone says everyone says these tracks are too jumpy. This they actually did a good job of finding a balance with this one, I thought, because they were off cambers, obviously, elevate elevation, and there was like four or five straights in a row with no jumps. Because they were just going up and down hills. Because it had elevation, so they could do that. It wasn't a flat field like Lommel. And I know yeah. Lommel's got sand, but my point isn't about that, the crux of that. My point is that look, people have problems with the location. What what did you think of the track? Give me your honest opinion. I think I have, haven't I? That was a joke. Oh. Um, no, but it's not my opinion. 
I asked riders who did great, riders who did shit, riders who had terrible days, riders who could have quite easily gone, yeah, didn't like it. And they all said, hope we come back. This is really good. I actually really enjoyed this track. Soil was even good. It wasn't my worry was that it was going to be a part, slick hard pack and like, but it actually was quite held moisture quite well. And coming after, I can't remember what the corner was after, but it was one corner where it was really chewed up and like technical. So yeah, this is good. I look forward to going back to into Xandu next year. And I'd like to make one more point about a track. Okay, I realise I'm losing you here. You know, Crowley's done a lot for the sport in Italy. Yep. Prado seems to be doing similar things in Spain. Like there were national news talking to him and stuff. Having them all right there could work insanely well in a normal year. Because in the mall, there were Prado banners everywhere. Like young girls outside Primark. So if there's someone who caught Prado on the news who's randomly at the mall that day, and it's only, it's basically in Madrid. So there's lots of, it's it's, it's it's one of the top 10 biggest malls in Spain. I mean, what, what was it like on the Lewis Phillips? Um, um, let me finish talking. One to ten of malls. I mean, was there a good selection of cafes in, in fast food? What about shop-wise? Let me finish talking. So one of those people who's in the mall sees a banner of Prada and goes, oh, yeah, I saw that kitty on the news. Yeah. And then they're like, hang on, I can hear bikes. Oh, you know what? Let's just go and see what the hell this Prado kitty's doing. Like, oh, I- my God, it's £100. Fuck that. Well, uh, well, I'd imagine they would be confused paying them pounds in Spain. Anyway, so I feel like there's a potential there. If you want me to, if you want me to say something against it, there was a banner in the mall that had a photo of Prado and it said X Games 2020 on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like it. And they probably had T-shirts with that on inside no, Primark. No, there was just there was just I don't know why it said it. It was just in the top corner. I don't even know if it was relevant to the Prado shot. It might have not been, but yeah, no. Genuinely, this is a good track. A good venue. I ge- if they announced that the Nations was going to be there in four years, because obviously I think we're locked up until 20... The next open available slot is 2024. If they announced that that will be in Spain, I would actually be like, you know what? We're guaranteed good weather. Everyone can get a hotel. It can handle the fans. It can handle the parking. America can fly straight to Madrid. Like It actually works. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited that Spain has a potential home because I think it needs one as well. Like when I landed in Spain and drove out the airport, I was like, "Huh, this feels weird. Like this doesn't feel like somewhere I've really been." And I was like, "Well, ha- well, actually, we haven't really come to Spain at all, have we?" So like, it is like a new country, you know. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, I reckon that's enough. I reckon I've said enough there, and I. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you said enough. Good. It was. So if you wanna if you wanna go against the riders, you go against the riders. I'm not scared to have a voice. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, yeah well, of course you're not. Your voice is wrong most of the time. Yeah, whatever. So, what, whilst I was asleep during the second motor, did anything happen? As far as like anything, because in like, what do you want from me? Do you want to give us a five minute breakdown of the GP? Then I can. I don't have to rewatch it. No, I don't think. No, as I've explained on this podcast a few times, this isn't just a podcast for me to tell you what you missed, like because other people don't need that. Well, other people might have been shopping with their their husbands or wives or whatever. No, it, if if you want to go somewhere now, I tell you struggling with direction. Let's talk about Prado. Okay. Um, 
How, what, when, when does he appear in the X Games? So Prado went 1-1 for the first time in his MXGP career. Uh, really? When the second moto? That's cool. Was perfect. And so now begins, does he actually have a realistic shot at a title? How many points is he behind now? 50. No, he doesn't have a realistic chance at the title. See, I think that as well, because that's a lot of points in six rounds. But And to be fair, you can vouch for this. Before his Mantova crash, I was all in, wasn't I, on Prado? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That crash, has, I feel like that's put him just far enough behind where it won't be able to happen. However... It'd be, it'd be, even if he went 1-1-1-1 one, 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 all the way through, he's, he's still going to be eight points behind Geyser. Well, okay, let's look at... Wait, how have you done that, Mavs? If Geyser's going to get second. Oh. Well, let's... Okay, so say Prado goes... Yeah, okay, Prado goes... Um, well, Geyser has second and third, say. So if he has seconds and thirds and he keeps it consistent, then he's still going to be eight points short. Eight times six, 48? Yeah, yeah, well, I thought you just said there's five more GPs. No, six. So three in Belgium, three in Trentino. Okay. But, yeah, I, I think it's too much, but there is definitely hype. Like Prado said after the race, straight up to me, he's watching the points. Like, he wants to get back in this. And you know what? Wow. He finished. He was 17th in the second moto at Mantua. Give him a fourth there. What, he had four points? That would have been 18. That's an extra 14. Take off 14 from... Would be 32. That would be interesting. Because I feel like he could do 32 points in the next six rounds. I mean, if you look at it, he's incredible at Lommel. And he's going to hold shot. So... Him sweeping every moto at Lommel isn't exactly the most insane thing, but like it's not out of the realm of possibility. And then Trentino, he won his first GP there, hard pack, maybe a bit tough to pass. Again, he holds shots every time. Not out of the realm of possibility to think that he can just hold on. And if you're going to count him out, you are counting on Geyser, Crowley, Sewer to be there every time and not have one bad race. Like if Geyser has a 12th and Prado wins that moto, that's a 16-point swing right there. Maybe he is still in this. I think I'll just talk myself back into it. No, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, would take, it would take Geyser to have some serious inconsistency and crashes. And, and Geyser, as we know, is not like that. Or, or Geyser kind of figured this thing out lately. Well, the last, last, two, last two GPs, he has. No, you're going. No, like the last couple. I can't think of really any two, crashes two or big mistakes he's had lately. A couple's two. Okay, the last handful. I can't think of any big mistakes he's had lately. Like he's had tip, but who hasn't? Yeah. Well, there's two races where he's picked up 13 points and 16 points in, in the. Yeah, but that's fine. Right. That, that's, that's not a disaster. How is fifth place in a moto a disaster? He doesn't. All he needs to do is continue being top five in every moto, and that probably will get it done. But. Mm, well, uh, but if, if Prado is winning races, that won't be enough. My biggest question now, going into Lommel, is we haven't seen Caroli at Lommel since 2018. So we know Caroli's great at Lommel, but for some reason I'm struggling to like picture him against Geyser at Lommel. Because Geyser won a GP last year with a 2-2. It was a depleted field. Uh, the Sand Masters, Prado, Caroli, Herlins, well, I guess it's those three, weren't in the class or racing. So 
I'm struggling to place in my mind where guys that will fit in at Lommel with Caroli, with Prado, with Koldenoff, with Paulan even. Paulan's great at Lommel. Like, there is a potential that guys that could have a five-day. So, like, yeah, and if he has a couple of those, then he's got a problem. But then equally, I, wouldn't, I also wouldn't be surprised if guys that had a 2-3, uh, 4-2, 3-3, every race at Lommel. Because he went 2-2 two, two last year, so... And actually, yeah. wait, let me just pull up the results from Lommel last year. He went 2-2, beat Fevra, beat Koldenoff, beat Sewer. Van Horvick's not really a factor in this. Jazakonis is out. Anstey's not here. Jonas is out. Monticelli was ninth. So yeah, last year's results don't really... Fuck. I'll tell you what, last year the field was bloody depleted. <laughs> I didn't realise how bad it was. Like, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now I look back, Monticelli was ninth. Jeffrey DeWolf, 14th. Leoc, 15th. Misha Boy Dewal, 18th. Tom Koch, 19th. So, yeah, last year's results throw them out, I reckon, as far as Lommel's concerned. I don't think that's really going to tell us anything. But, like I say, we haven't seen Crowley at Lommel in two years, so I don't really know what to expect from him. Because in my mind, he's a sandmaster, but does that mean he goes 1-1? Like, I don't really know where that puts him. It's going to be... In- Obviously, the first, first round in Lommel is going to be interesting, um, whether he's going to come out swinging or, or what. But it's all going to be down to what Prado does now. If Prado's not winning, then, um, then it, makes, it makes no difference to what Guys is doing. Because he, he, the point step is too much. Yeah, but you're saying that just as if it's Geyser and Prado for the title. Crowley's only 24 down. You didn't yeah, realise Crowley was second in the championship, didn't you? Yeah, but again, it's second in the championship, but he picked up 29 points. Yeah, um, on paper, weekend. Spain was always going to be somewhere where Geyser had to capitalise and put points on Crowley. Geyser was always going to be better at Sp- on that track than Crowley. And again, on paper, we're all thinking Crowley should be better around Lommel than Geyser. So... Geyser did his part in putting the points on Crowley going into Lommel. But the question is, will Crowley do his part, do what he's supposed to do, and gain the points back? And Crowley's advantage is, unlike Geyser in Spain, he has three attempts at it. So even if he goes, okay, look at it the same, similar way we were looking at Prado's situation. Crowley sweeps all six motos. Geyser finishes second in each of those. That's 18 points. Suddenly the gap's six going into Trentino. So. Caroli doesn't even need to do much. He just needs to be ahead of Geyser each time, which isn't impossible in the sand. Okay. This thing, this thing isn't as... I feel, like we're, I feel like we, as a motocross community, are entering into the area of saying, hey, we think this might be over. But I don't think it is yet. I think after... Depending on how Sunday goes, you could say it's over. Because if Geyser puts points on everyone on the first level, then, well, I don't know. It's over. Yeah. So this Sunday will really be the thing of whether we need to get excited about this championship or whether we give guys a number one plate now. Yeah. Um, let's hold those thoughts because I want to talk to you about what's been in the news this week because there's been a few retirements. But we'll just, let's do that after the break. Big thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto, Holidays, Yoko Europe, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. The first part of the MX5 show is brought to you by Talon Engineering, the industry leaders in aftermarket wheels and sprockets. 
Teams like Rockstar Energy, who's far enough factory racing in the USA, Rocky Mountain ATV MC, KTM, field-based Honda, and more put their trust in the same wheels that you can get your hands on. Get more Talon information at talon-eng.com. We'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to the MX Vice Podcast Show. Great to be back as uh, we've had a few weeks away. Do apologize for that. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all anodized internal parts and DLC coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. By adding a mid-speed valve, KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of this factory suspension product is a custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. You too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com forward slash KYB hyphen factory hyphen kit hyphen suspension hyphen info for more information. So then the Seaware Whisperer, what's going on? Uh, I don't think anything's going on. It's just not really happening. Well, I fully expected him to have an assault on the World Championship. I, I tell you what, when you think that not too long ago, we're talking what? where are we now? Wednesday. When you, when you think two weeks ago, he was 11 points down. It's a bit like, oh, Jesus, like, how has this happened? But uh, he's 45 down now. And interestingly, actually, I ran a poll on MX Vice on Monday. 
saying six rounds to go, who's your pick for the title now? Uh, Geyser had a healthy number of votes. Caroni had a healthy number of votes. Prado had a healthy number of votes. Sue had zero. And Sue was ahead of Prado. Wow. But the momentum does seem to have stopped with him. I mean... That drive to the front is not happening. I don't know. I just don't know. Like, yeah, but also, I spoke to him at Manta for free and I said, I feel like your starts are kind of a problem. And he said no, but maybe they are because that wasn't great for him at the first in the first motor in Spain. But then he also did a front flip and that's not ideal. Yeah, that was not ideal. That, that, that looked a little bit... Yeah, I wouldn't have liked that. So... I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know what to say. Look at his results. Faenza, 2-2-1-7-3-4. Mantova, 1-3-2-9-6-3. And then now 10-5. So t- that 10-5 is definitely like a, a black mark on the old uh, resume. Yeah. And I guess the biggest problem here, or the crux of the problem here, is we're going into Lommel. I don't think anyone is counting on Sewer's sand skills bringing him back in this. He's good at Lommel. No. I don't think he's exceptional enough like Prado to put it back. Prado's sound skills are exceptional, which is why people believe he can get back in this title race. And also, remind me that I have a, I have a rant. I have a grind my gears when we talk about MX2. I, I will forget because I only just remembered it. But remind me that. Okay. Yeah, so I, I guess that's the problem here, is that no one's counting on Sewer's sound skills getting back in this. So we're kind of... I don't know. Are we write, I, I, I don't want to write him off yet because I do, I do think he's in this. But it's not looking great, is it? No. I, and I want to talk. Three in the championship because it'll be a bit of a kick in the nuts for him if he finishes fourth after the season he's had, which has been much improved over previous years. Well, especially when he came into this and he, in, he intimated that he didn't want to be vice world champion. He was, he was going for the championship. And I, I just think he's going to kick himself looking back at this in future years, because this was a great opportunity at getting that championship. He'll have this opportunity again. He's proven this year that he can beat all of these riders straight up. So, like Faenza, before Herlins got injured, he was all over Herlins. So, he's proven that he can do it. So, maybe we consider this another transition year of learning. Like, last year, he was in the hunt he finished second in the championship, but he wasn't, quite, he wasn't really there, was he? Guys, there was miles ahead. So this year, he's actually in it. And that's another learning experience to take into next year when maybe he gets it done. Yeah. I want to talk about our Planet Moto bombshell of the week. Um, not going to talk about what we said we'd talk about at this point, then. We can do if you want, but I'm just <laughs> excited to talk about it. No, I, I don't have much to say on this. I just want to quickly say that Hernes isn't coming back this year. We've said it since day one. Oh, uh, yeah, we had the announcement, didn't we, earlier yeah. on on his um, social media? Yeah, it's not, it's not because of his back and neck. It's because his foot, which I presume is the foot that he injured pre-2019. Was that the tip over when he's with Jazakonis? No, no, that was, was that, ankle. No, not that one. Oh. What he did in the off-season of 2019. I presume it's that same foot that's still giving him issues. But anyway, he's having surgery on that. And um, his statement kind of intimated that he basically hasn't been 100% all year. And he's looking forward to finally riding 
to his top level, which my immediate thought was, huh, are we all being led by down a garden path here? Like we, this year we've all, oh my God, it's so wide open. Like everyone, like everyone's risen to Hurley's level. I'm now wondering if going into 2021, we are going to see maybe Hurlins rise above more so than nah. he did before. I mean, he was uh, points ahead after seven rounds this year. So clearly he was the best of the class of the field. But I'm wondering if more dominance comes into it next year if he gets to the point where he's healthy. But even if he's healthy, I mean, are we going to expect him to go, you know, put, put together a perfect six races and then crash again? The foot caused him to crash. He said that. And I completely believe that because that crash was weird and that actually... Of, 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 of course you would. No, the crash was weird. Everyone said it. No one could figure out what it was. And Hurlins could say he created electricity and you'd believe him. No, the point is he crashed in a strange place. No one could figure out why. And he says it's because he had to put, he had his foot placed weirdly because of the pain or whatever or the discomfort. And it's like, well, actually, in that spot, yeah, that would, I can, make, I can imagine how that would cause a crash like that. I don't know. It's just, his, in, in short, his statement has just opened up a bit of a can of worms for me where I'm like, huh, okay, yeah. maybe we don't know what we're dealing with going into 2021. Okay, I, I can be like, Lewis, come here, come here. Guess what? I've, I'm only running a 375cc engine. Don't tell anyone. You'd be like, oh my God, you're so good. You're so good, Jeffrey. You're beating everybody with a 375 engine. Okay, you're missing the point. That's actually quite a good point I made about Hearns, but fine. fine. Anyway, move on. Okay. Planet Moto bombshell of the week. All the factory teams head to Spain for riding, where the weather and conditions are perfect. Ask Lewis Phillips. He was there at the weekend. You've got Moors, Primark, everything. You can too. Planet Moto holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport, and more. An eight-day holiday costs just £845. Visit planetmoto.co to find out more and book one of our available slots in November and December. So, Planet Moto Bombshell of the Week, we, it was, was it going to be, was it not going to be, but this was kind of late in the, in the season to announce it was... Well, that is the, a ramble, that is. <laughs> was it going to be or was it not going to be, but this is late in the season, like, what? <laughs> just trying to build it up and describe it and again you come along and shit all over it I don't know why I bother continue it just made me laugh obviously the timing maybe he was he would have announced it earlier on in the year by saying this is basically going to be my last year but to come out Clement DeSalle to come out this week and say I'm done I'm not enjoying the racing so do you want my take on this not really okay go ahead then well, I haven't got any take on it either. Oh, so. Okay, well, so I have to give mine. So if you read his statement again, just pulling it up now. Are you trying to find more words out of the words he's not written? Is there an underlying statement in the statement? Well, no, I'm just presume. I'm, I'm going to presume. Are you looking in the background picture to see if there's anything in the clouds which tells you anything? No, he cloud, said... Cloud whisperer. This decision now because of a package of reasons, but I respect the rules I gave myself a long time ago. Now, at Mantova, I got told that KRT were re-signing DeSalle, and I thought that was done. At, in Spain, I got told it was 100% not happening, that's over, DeSalle was not going to be at KRT next year. So 
I didn't expect him to then retire, but I was uh, leaving Spain. I was like, okay, Giselle definitely isn't at KRT. Wonder what he'll do. Reading back the whole respecting the rules I gave myself a long time ago, I would presume the rules he gave himself was if I'm not on a factory team, I retire. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Or if I'm not making X amount of money, then I retire. Like, I presume it's one of those. And I presume that had KRT resigned him, he would continue to race. I might be completely off, but that's kind of how I see the situation lying. But um, no, sad. sad. Do you know what my take is on it? What? I I believe um, they were going to sign Dassault. And then Francois at KRT, he listened to the podcast show, heard you poo-pooing Dassault and saying that actually you can save a lot of money by Dassault, bring in a, a, a cheaper rider, and basically you've made Dassault retire. No. Because Francois listened to it and just thought, good idea, Lewis. We'll offer uh, Dassault half of it, bring in somebody like Vlanderen or Watson, and um, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. And, and then obviously he's called Clement and he said, look, Clement, I've listened to this podcast show. Lewis has made a couple of valid things here. Uh, and one of them is I'm going to reduce your salary. And he's like, thanks, Francois, but uh, I have a package of rules. One of those rules are that if it's my money's reduced under a certain thing, then uh, I'm not going to ride. And he's gone, well, okay, uh, it's up to you. The opportunity's still there uh, if you want it, but it's a reduced package, um, you know, from one French person to another French-speaking person. And, uh, and and you say, how did you get up? You know, again, where did you find this information? And you say, oh, Lewis Phillips. And so I got a feeling that in Lommel, Giselle's just going to come up to you and just say, you are a prick. You've ended my career. Okay, brilliant. And once again... You skinny piece of piss. Okay, once again... You what never write a book. What KRC should do next year has been misconstrued as, I hate Giselle. Brilliant. I don't know. I guess if you want to talk about DeSalle's career and that, I was actually a fan of DeSalle. I, I didn't say that. I, I didn't say about career. It's just Planet Motor bombshell the week of him retiring. Okay, uh, we not. Okay, let's not talk about DeSalle then. If you want to talk about DeSalle's career a little bit, I was actually a fan of. I actually was a big fan of his from like the '09 to basically through his Suzuki years, from LS Honda to Suzuki, because he was kind of he was the underdog, wasn't he? Like he wasn't. He's a dead dog now, thanks to you. He wasn't a Prado level of like oh this guy's coming up this guy's coming up and especially when he was on LS Honda he was putting it to Crowley and he was in at those time in Crowley's dominant years if someone was going to stop Crowley it was DeSalle and I think DeSalle was a very or is a very old school rider in the sense of I feel like it's all racing with him like there's no there's nothing else basically he goes to the track he does his job no one's passing him I don't care if you're faster. I'm going to make it your life hell to try and pass me. Um, speaking of that, I'm pretty sure a few riders will be glad they don't have to try and get around him next year because he is late. Oh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Hurlins is one of them. He put a post out uh, congratulating uh, DeSalle, but also mentioned how hard he was to pass. Yeah, every rider says, every rider says DeSalle is um, the hardest rider to pass, and that's kind of a testament to his character. That's the type of person, rider, he always has been. But he underestimated you, the oh, DeSalle slayer. To sell so, Slayer Phillips. I don't know. It's, I feel like people will look back on his career and not really recognize Just remember you. Was. You were the guy that killed it. Probably still had like another three years to go at that level. And the to sell Slayer Phillips. 
Who's next? Who's next, Phillips? You know, we had that talk about how jokes are funny, but not when you keep them going for half an hour. Let's have a little look down the list. Who's next, then? Okay, uh, brilliant. Career, you better watch his back. Venus de Sales just called it a career. We, like, give him a little... We, like, give it a little bit of attention and just... That's exactly why Paul Ann was friendly with oh, you a few weeks ago. I get it. You don't want to talk about de Sales' career because you actually have fuck all idea of what he's done before, like, two no. years ago. That is exactly why. That's why Paul Ann is suddenly your friend because he's heard of your reputation. Brilliant. Yeah, I feel like people will look back onto Sal's career and not really recognise how good he was because I feel like the last two years he's kind of become a top seven rider with an outside shot at a podium every once in a while. But not too long ago... Well, actually, to be fair, since Kawasaki, I feel like he's kind of not been the same rider he was on a Suzuki, but the rider he was on a Suzuki was insanely good and I feel like people will struggle to remember that which is a shame but maybe they won't I don't know but yeah to sell that's a shame but I guess it was always going to happen it was always on the cards wasn't it like we are hitting the point now where there are quite a few riders on their way out or at least in their last year or two so there'd probably be more announcements like this um, the cards were in three years time I wouldn't be surprised if there's more announcements like this this year but there definitely will be next year for a few guys so Ask me what I'm doing. What are you doing? I'm going to get a t-shirt made for Lommel. And I'm on this designering t-shirt site at the moment. And I've got Phillips, the Decel Slayer. And I'm going to get a green dragon on there to represent Kawasaki and the dragon of, you know, the ferocious beast that Clement Decel is. And then I'm going to have you with a big sword. Okay. Um, just to make everyone aware, no one, gave a sh- no one gives a shit about my opinion on what they should do next year. So, Your text here. Okay, brilliant. The sales slayer. Do you want to say anything about the sales career? What was your what's, your, what's your memories from the sales career? Um, he wrote for LS Honda in two thousand and nine. Have you ever heard of that team? He spoke French. Look mean. LS Honda. Very angry. Very angry. Any memories of LS Honda? The sales slayer. Uh, no, no, no. Right, carry on. I'm just perfecting my T-shirt. Brilliant. Probably going to use the aerial on this one. Cells there. We need bold as well. Like to see me come in. Do you understand how a podcast works? What? I don't think people want a commentary of like you just running through your daily life. I'm actually going to get some Decel Slayer T-shirts printed. So if anybody out there would like a Decel Slayer T-shirt. I can do a front and back, so I've got a really good picture of Lewis. The joke has literally gone on for about half an hour now. I think we're done with that joke. Like, very funny, James. <laughs> so if you, if you go on to Twitter today, there's a Cowboy Phillips um, I've posted a picture of. I can also get that on a T-shirt. So if anybody wants a Cowboy Phillips T-shirt or a DeSalle Slayer T-shirt, then just uh, DM me. Okay. Uh, any more retirements uh, this week, Lewis? Well, I don't know why you'd have to ask that. Covington's called it a career. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Because that was that was a second Planet Motor bombshell uh, of the week. Yeah, I think my um, I don't. I think my opinion on that is like all the factory teams head to Spain for riding where the weather and conditions are perfect. You can too. Planet Motor holidays provide accommodation, meals, transport, and more. An eight-day holiday costs just eight hundred and forty-five pounds. Visit planetmoto.co where 
you can go ride in Spain in the sun. You can go to Primark. You can go to JD Sports. You can go riding in a car park. So, Planet Murder Bombshell of the Week is that uh, Lewis has slayed the dragon that is Decel, and also Covington has called it a day. Uh, I, Lewis, let's talk about Covington. I don't know if there's any point, is there? Do you want to talk? Of course there is. Okay. What the hell has happened in two years? Well, what has I... happened in two years to take a very talented rider and get him to retire? I want to talk about this. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one for me to talk about because, like, DeSalle came as a shock yesterday. I've known about Covington for, like, two weeks. So I'm kind of, like, I've processed my thoughts on it. But it's Wait, quite tell me. Like, To be fair, the, the open letter kind of said everything. I, and to be fair, he's never really spoken about any of that before. But I, because I, I, I never knew he knocked his head quite a bit before um, his Supercross debut. Which that would make sense. That that kind of plays into this how this story has played out quite well. Well, not quite well, as in like it makes sense. I guess it, I feel it's confidence just went. I guess, and then when that goes, you don't want to take the risks. And it sounds like he's invested his money well, so that's another plus. Like I don't know, it it's a it's happened fast, but if his head's not in it anymore and he doesn't want to take that risk, then it's the right thing to do because. I think everyone agrees. The second you don't, you're not 100% like in it when you're racing and you're starting to think about other things, that's when disaster strikes. So to recognize that and actually walk away probably is a smart and clever thing to do. But it's weird because, like, obviously, this year has not been great. And any other rider, I would have said, yeah, it's over. But I always thought he would figure it out because he was in this situation before. Like, when he first came to GPs, he, I remember Trentino one year, one of his first years on a Kawasaki. Like he just couldn't suss the place out because it was old school European and everything. And then, what, two, three years later, he was winning GPs round there. So in my head, I was like, well, he's got the playbook. Like he's he's bound, he's battled from the back to the front once in GPs. He kind of why not do it again? But I guess the difference is his head wasn't in it, and that's that's that. But it would have been quite easy for him to just continue racing have some fans, collect a paycheck. So I give him credit for actually stepping up, especially in the middle of the season and saying, like, you know what? This isn't for me anymore. I'm done. I would have liked to, I would have, liked to have seen him do Spain as like a farewell. Because like, Spain would have been quite a good track for him, but I guess not so, not on the cards. What do you think is, is something that he's going to look back and um, completely regret? No, I don't. You read that, if you read his letter, then I feel like it's quite clear he is, he, he is firm in where he's at. Like, and at the end of the day, he's given it. We're in October. Like, it's easy to forget that we're in October because we're only at round 12 or whatever. We are in a full year now, and he's given it. I feel like he's thrown a lot at it this year. And I guess the underlying theme is no matter what you throw at the situation, if your head's not there, then it's best to just like uh, kind of sit up um, and admit it. But that's kind of that's kind of where I give him credit because I feel like a lot of riders would not sit up and admit it. They'd almost be in denial, whereas Commenton seems to have his feet on the ground and very much recognise the situation. 
Do you think he's very aware of his self and where he wants to go in? Obviously, this is not, uh, this is not in his um, future. I'd imagine we'll see him. I'd, ima- I'd imagine he'll be around the races still. It doesn't, he doesn't strike me as the type of person to disappear James Stewart style. But no. who knows? You never know in this situation. Like DeSalle, if DeSalle, we never hear from DeSalle again on social media or anything, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. I actually, now that I think about that, I highly doubt we ever see DeSalle again. Yeah, I, I don't think he's, he's, he's coming back. Although, did DeSalle say he was retiring from GPs or racing completely? Uh, no, racing completely, wasn't he? Oh, I was just going to say, I wouldn't be surprised to see DeSalle do beach races or something like that. Really? Oh, no, he says, I'll stop the Grand Prix of motocross end of this year. So maybe DeSalle still does something like beach races or something like that. I, I wouldn't even... Yeah, like, DeSalle strikes me as the type of person who could do enduro. But then... DeSalle's a bit of a closed book, isn't he? So who knows? But yeah, I mean, having two retirements in, I think those announcements came within like two hours of each other. It's a strange one. You don't really like, it's rare to even get a retirement announcement, let alone two in one day. Yeah, like buses. Yeah. So what? Uh, what do you mean? So what? What? Uh, I guess we talk about Kawasaki. Yeah. Well, who's who's going to be there? Vlanderen or Watson? Or, well... Vlanderen or Watson? Wait, wait, I need a, I've got a list. Jonas isn't done at Gas Gas, and I said a few weeks ago that there is potential for Jonas... There were Jonas to KRT rumours. I said a few weeks ago there were Paul Ann to KRT rumours. Who else? I'm just putting up a list of riders. Tonus has got nothing? I don't know what... Van Horbeek was on a one-year contract. So I don't know what he's doing. Guillaume's got nothing, but that's a long shot. Well, that's not even a shot. Olsen's done. Ben's moving up, but Ben is pretty adamant, I feel, in interviews and stuff that he's going to be in the Yamaha family, but I guess that could change. Like, I, I, I don't really know where the Kawasaki were at. Like, I don't know if they've been shopping around for riders all year or if they were planning on keeping to Sauer and then suddenly made a U-turn. So I don't really know where they would be in the whole rider situation. But this is, like, like I say, in Mantua, I got... I got told that DeSalle was definitely going back. So this has even come as a bit of a shock to me now because I was kind of convinced of that. Well, when you, when you look at the, what contracts are up and in, in who's available, there's not really anything which stands out other than Vlander or Watson. So it looks like they might have some fresh blood going in there. Well, I'm confused because I felt like there were millions of riders without contracts. I'm, I'm actually confused. I've confused myself now. Like, where is it? Who am I forgetting? I don't think you can rule out Jonas or Paul Ann because the Paul Ann rumors were out there and Paul Ann's been there before. So that wouldn't, maybe that's an option now. I, I still think Jonas is going gas gas, but as far as I know, I don't think that's like locked in stone. So, and we're kind of ruling out Koldenoff going there, aren't we? Yeah, Koldenoff's I'm, I'm certain Koldenoff will be at Yamaha. Yeah, so he's going to have a blue future. He's going to be blue crew. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll, I guess rumours will start to fire back up again this weekend. But it's strange because the Watson to Kawasaki rumours were really strong in Faenza. And there's still... So many people told me that at Spain, but I don't think that's happening. I'm almost certain that these rumours are just coming out of nowhere. But it's, I'll tell you, okay, part one of what grinds my gears... Okay, I thought we were talking about MX2 grind your gears. Yeah, I've got another one for that. 
I, that's a lot I, of grinding. Seeing so many lies being published by websites not even at the races at the moment. Oh, there we go. An Italian website, well known for ripping off everyone's content, including ours, put up a list of silly season news. They put Ben under KRT. They put Sterry as going back to Gunnex. Well, he's not even on the team now, let alone next year. Like, just fabricating shit. And then everyone runs with it, and then there ends up being a lot of confusion. Why is that? Why don't you just put out, uh, or I could do, why, why, can't, why don't we just do that for fun? The fact that this Italian website put on the list Sterry, Boutron and Sterry going back to Gunnix. It's like, well, how can Sterry re-sign a contract that's been ripped up? They don't even realise that Sterry isn't currently racing for Gunnix, but feel that they are in a position to put a silly season list out. Like, oh my God. Uh, did you want to get the other thing like off, off your chest now or, or not? Uh, do you want to keep that inside for a little bit longer? Do you want to do... You want to do... Talk about Mitch and Geyser's new deal. There's nothing really to say there, is there? Just re-signed. Well, obviously not great timing for Mitch with being injured. Oh, yeah, he broke his wrist. But he's, he's six to eight weeks. He'll be fine. And actually, he yeah. made a good point after the race. This gives him a full off-season. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's a real shame because Mitch was looking really good, wasn't he, the weekend up to that point? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he won on Sunday, but I guess that's the way the story goes sometimes. Yeah, one one rider that did surprise me the weekend was Brian Bogers. Yeah, he's actually quite good. I know because all, all year you said he's shit. When have I and ever that? Fuck me. I think there was five back to back things of basically saying Bogers was shit. We don't even uh, don't even talk about Bogers. No, I definitely remember no, you saying actually, that you thought Bogers was shit. In Mantova, I called Bogers as a person who could surprise people. No, Bogus is quite... And actually, if you look at Bogus' results from the last Manta, uh, Mantua, he's actually had four motos in the top 10 in a row, which I'm guessing he never did with HRC. Well, actually, I'm sad. Really no, I, I think he's, he's, really, he's done really, really well this year, especially when the class is as stacked as it is. I think he's, um, he's done a good job. Yeah. Well done, Brian. I, I believe in you, Brian, even though Lewis doesn't. It's kind of like the classic thing. It's almost like my speech with man-made tracks. Everyone immediately jumps on them without actually thinking about it. And because everyone knows Boga's got the HRC ride through HSF or whatever, I feel like everyone immediately made their conclusion on Boga's and like won't hear anything else. Whereas now when he's in this little Marchetti situation, we're starting to realise that actually he is quite all right. And you know what? Had he not got injured on that first year on HRC and actually got a fair shake at it, maybe he would have turned into a decent top 10 rider. And a de- like, who knows? I tell you what, that is the shittest apology. What am I apologizing for? I've never said it. I picked him to surprise people at Mantua. I literally said those words on the podcast. Only because he'd done a mudder and you said, well, he's always going to do well in a mud. No, I said, what? Yes, you fucking did. Honestly, you forget half the shit you say on this show. It rained at Mantua. I think my best words were, he did well at Mantua last year, but it was a mudder, so that won't, that doesn't count. I think you should probably uh, just beware of the cell that is going to be coming after you. And now, Brian. Uh, it's, it's... You haven't really got much of a fan club. I'm actually worried about going to Lommel. I'm going to have to take my tin. It's an interesting defence mechanism that you have. What? Why am, I, why am I being defensive? 
because you don't have anything to offer to the podcast, so you immediately try to make it look like I'm a dick, and that's your defense mechanism. I don't have to even try to do okay. that. Okay, moving on to, moving on to MX2. Okay, yeah. What is your grinding gears on MX2? Actually, I, I, I never said this on a podcast. Guillaume's got a stomach infection, and he's had it since, like, forever. Well, like, since July, I think. It only got diagnosed, like, three weeks ago, so he's finally getting the treatment that he um, needs to get better. So that led, so that led to uh, 12 in Moto1. And I don't know how long I was going to go, because he's definitely not near 100%. But he's clearly on the way back to being the Guio that we kind of know. And that 12 in Moto1. I know what that's like, because once I was riding the Apex um, near Worcester, on the, um, it was a National Motocross Academy of Roger Harvey. And um, Roger Harvey wouldn't let me go to um, the toilet, so I had a poo in my pants. and. Uh, I had to get off my bike without sitting down on it, which was obviously quite hard. So I had to say to my dad, I'll keep holding my bike a minute while I get off, and I had to go to the portaloo and empty the poo that was in my pants. I was only 10. Brilliant. So I know how you feel. Well, it's not bad. You know, you to... That's, again, coming from someone who didn't, didn't watch the races, let alone realise that we were out there, I'm guessing. If you want to talk about it any time, don't be ashamed. I've just announced to everybody on here that at 10 years old, Roger Harvey made me poo my pants. Anyway, before we go to, M- uh, before we go to MX2, uh, let's do the even strokes game. Oh, fuck's sake. Really? Yeah. This is, I had these questions written for the show last week. I'm just checking they're still relevant. Uh, yeah, they're still relevant. I thought we cancelled this. No, it was one week only, and it's a sponsor segment, so. I- I'm the sponsor. Hmm? Yeah, but I'm the sponsor. Yeah, but I still I still feel like a commitment's been made and I like to adhere to the commitment. Okay, you take over then. Pulling up the little words, right. Uh, Even Strokes is an online shop with a range of offers on Talon, Fox, Yoko, Prox and more. Be sure to visit www. I does say four W's there. www.evenstrokes.com for deals on products and to support MX Vice. 2021 gear from Fox, FXR and Yoko is now available too. Shop now at www evenstrokes.com right five questions you need three no you need four no what did I what's the rules I, I don't know you make them up every week one minute it was three three was a pass then it was four was a pass okay I'll make it you've never passed we'll say three well from now on it's free because why not uh, who's led more laps in 2020 Prado, Caroli or Sewer uh, I'm going to go Prado that's correct uh, 2006 Motocross Nations at Matley Basin what was Team USA supposed to be before injuries? 2006 at Matley Basin. Before injuries changed for team, what was it going to be? Free rider. Uh, I'm going to go with Barsha. Um, Dungey. And... Barsha Dungy and Cooper Webb. None of those riders were professional in 2006. So odd that they would race for Motocross of Nations. The answers you were looking for. I thought you said Matley Basin as in 2017. I I said 2006 twice. Please listen to the questions in future. The answer was... I was going to question you actually because I didn't think Matley Basin was 2016. Because I thought it was... um, Was it Majora? The answer we were looking for was Carmichael, Villapoto and Stewart. 
Well, I would have answered that. But you specifically said 2016, which we were wrong because it was 17 and it was wet. I've literally got the word 2006 written down in front of me. So odd that I would say 2016. Well, Stato, was I right with my um, free riders in 2017 then? No, because it, they didn't have injuries change the team then. Well, it could, could have been. Maybe it was a year before. Um, and also, Dungey had retired at that point in 2017. Okay. Might have come back. Probably had a chat about it. Before the Spanish GP this past weekend, name the last two Spanish tracks that did GPs. Talavera and Belpig. Oh, so close. I thought you were going to get that. Talavera and Red Sand. Ah, oh, bollocks. How many different MXGP riders have had the red plate on their bike at some point in MXGP this season? MXGP who fucking class. cares? Who, who cares? This is shit questions. MXGP class, how many different How riders? many nobles are on Caroli's front wheel? Who cares? Who fucking cares? Class, how many different riders have had the red plate on their bike this season? What was the question? Uh, uh, game's over. I'm, we're done with that. That's. But I, I, we're done with that. Did I pass? No, you didn't. Like one more chance for you. How many different riders have had the red plate on their bike in MXGP this season? Three. That's correct. Yes, motherfucker. Last thing. Name KTM's last three MX2 World Champions. Uh, Prado, Herlins, and Tixier. Wrong. Prado, Jonas, and Herlins. Oh, I thought we were just picking any three. No, nope, the question was, name KTM's last three world champions. Oh, fuck you, now. Uh, and new for this week, oh. turns out a lot of people like this game, so rather than give an MX Vice t-shirt to the best question, we're now going to do a sixth question, just for fans. First person to tweet us with the answer or DM us on Instagram or whatever, and I'll keep an eye on everything, gets uh, an MX Vice t-shirt. And maybe we'll throw in something else as well, because this might be quite exciting. Yeah. Lewis, throw that fucker in there. The question is, in honour of Clement de Salle, how many GP wins has Clement de Salle had in his career? Oh, for this one. For this one, you get one of uh, James Burfield's, Lewis Phillips, the uh, de Salle Slayer t-shirts as well. I'll throw you one of those. The question again, how many GP wins has DeSalle had in his career? If he goes out and wins this Sunday, then obviously we're talking at the time of recording, so after the Spanish GP. How many GP wins has Clement DeSalle had in his career? Okay. Uh, I just want to add to that one. That um, Hold on. Let me just bring up my little T-shirt designer. If you can also tell me what colour bike does Clement DeSalle ride, I will... I will pick some answers and send you out a DeSalle Slayer Phillips t-shirt. Okay. You're excited about that, aren't you, Liz? What do you want me to reply? <laughs> Fucking hell, that's hilarious. Huh? That's mental, yeah. It's going to be ace. With an air-oiled separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. With all anodized internal parts and DLC-coated inner tubes, internal friction is reduced to the minimum. By adding a mid-speed valve, the KYB factory kit spring fork can be adjusted over a much broader range. One of the extra features of the factory suspension product is the custom spring collar, which provides more front wheel control and increased comfort on jump landings. 
you too can experience the best in off-road suspension that is used by the likes of Jeremy Seaware and Ben Watson. Head to technical-touch.com forward slash KYB hyphen factory hyphen kit hyphen suspension hyphen info for more information. That's part two. We'll be back in five. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to MX Vice Podcast Show. Huge thanks to Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko York, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB7, even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring rayon technology, conehead PEPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation in ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. So, Lewis, let's talk MX2. What was going down the weekend? Oh, do you want to know what grind my gears? Yes. Gertz is 52 points down, right? It's over. I, I need to give you that money. In the paddock, on social media, everywhere, who think that, oh, it's fine because there's a Lommel triple header coming up, so he'll just claw those points right back. Like, I don't understand. I, I've said it. I think I said it before the season, before we started again after COVID. Vial isn't terrible in the sand. He, he won Volkenswad this year, first of all, and that wasn't, that wasn't just normal Volkenswad. That was wet, sloshy, deep sand. Like, that was not probably... Eh, I don't want to say, I don't know. Would you say that Volkenswagen this year wasn't 
that far from Lommel? Well, I kind of would, because it was that deep and wet and horrible and shit. Yeah, it's brutal. So, yeah, that's fine. He did that, so clearly he can ride the sand. And then, as I've said a million times, last year at Lommel, he was fourth overall, and who was he behind? He was behind... Oh, hold on. Hold on. My res- I've got the wrong results up. He was fourth overall at Lommel last year, and who was he behind? Prado, Blandering, Watson. Two of those riders have left for class. So even if Gertz wins all three, Vial will be on the podium, or at worst, fourth overall, I think. Like, I, I genuinely don't know where... Or where, like, I'm not saying... I don't know. I just don't understand why people think it's a given that Gertz is just going to claw those points right back. Like, maybe he'll, maybe he will have a good week and he'll get it down from 52 to 30, but it's not going to zero unless Vial crashes or DNFs, which he probably will now because I seem to be good at jinxing people. But yeah, that's just why I just don't really understand. Like, I don't know what to say to these people because I'm like, well, how, how do you see this happening? Gertz goes 1 1 this weekend, Vial goes DNF, DNF. Vial has a red plate still. Like, that's, that's the best way of explaining just how big this gap is and just how much work Gertz needs to put in over the next week to actually claw that right back. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm happy to give you my 50 quid now. What about the Gnobe? I don't know what's happened to him. He's had a fucking mare. I mean, why, why, was, he, why was he not in Spain? I don't know. I, was, I actually thought more people would have skipped. Actually, I'll say this as well. Um, obviously, there was a lot of fear about Spain because of the COVID situation there. Yeah. And a lot of people were worried, like, oh, uh, what's it going to be like in the country? It was, complete, it was no different to being in Italy, really. Madrid was actually placed on lockdown while we were there. And I didn't notice a difference from, like, being in Italy as far as, like, it didn't feel like the country was, like, under mass restrictions, and it felt like, oh my god, this is a ser- like a serious situation in this country. Just felt like being in Italy for Fienza or Mantua. So I was, I felt like it might be interesting to people because I was expecting the worst. Like I, I even considered skipping Spain because I was like, oh, it was probably going to be a nightmare. But then now knowing what I know, I'm like, well, thank God I didn't do that because that would have been a stupid decision. And also, the flight was twelve pounds. What a bargain! Thanks to COVID. See, COVID isn't all bad. Okay. Um, Ruben Fernandez. Obviously, oh, he had a that's, a... that's a swift jump, that is. Yeah, because I think he deserves a little bit of credit. Obviously, his home GP and um, first race, uh, bike problem. Second race, obviously done really well. But can you believe that he is eight points behind Buarami in front of Rubini, Usland, Ferrato, Harrop? You know, I, he's been a real surprise package for me this year. He could have actually gotten a podium at Spain, in Spain. If it were, the funny story, his bike broke in the first one, so he laid it down in the middle of the track and walked off, and then probably to have a siesta. And then his mechanic ran out into the track to get the bike, retrieve it, picked it up, it started first time, and then there was just lots of yelling across the track from rider, to, from mechanic to team to rider, lots of thumbs up, thumbs down. It was just like, I don't really understand what's going on here, but it seems very Spanish. Wow. Okay. Mm. Well, thanks for that. But yeah, surprise package this year. 
we um weird to think that he's the same rider who was on F and H two years ago. How long ago was that now? Three years ago? Probably uh... Yeah, three years ago. What is it in their first year? Yeah, he was like F and H's um like you associated F and H with Fernandez because they kind of came in together kind of thing. But Yeah. Yeah, maybe there's I don't know. I don't really see him ever getting a factory ride or getting anything like that. I just always I just see him as being this rider, as in on a smaller team, occasionally does something that makes you go, oh, look at that. I don't think he's going further than this, but... He's done that a couple of times this year, though. Yeah, so, Latvia. Um... But that's what I mean. Latvia was good. I don't, like, I don't really feel like we've had much. Since. Do you think Fernandez is an opportunist? He actually gets ninth and tenth a lot if you look at his results. Ninth, tenth, eleventh. Ninth, tenth, eleventh seems to be his spot if you look at his season results. And I wouldn't have had him in the in the top ten this year. I've got to be honest. Not an MX two. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about Olsen and uh, Muse? Uh, that is actually something interesting to follow. Olsen. Oh, actually, on Olsen, uh, he's already been testing with Ice One on a four fifty. Oh, cool. Have so you got any, any more information than that? Not really, other than he likes a bike. He rides low RPM, so it suits him quite nicely, he says. But yeah, I was surprised to learn that he's already been testing on the 450 a little bit. Yeah, his, his start of the season was a disaster. He's now kind of proved four podiums in a row, so he's kind of proven what he could have been. Hundred, like I still wonder what could have been. I still, I think he might have won this championship, you know? Vial's been bloody good. Vial's led more laps than the rest of the class combined. Yeah, he's. I, I think, to be fair, I, I kind of questioned him, um, you know, around about sort of Latvia. But i got to be honest, uh, he's just been a machine ever since. Ever since I basically doubted him, he's been a machine. He is really like a champion through and through. Like, if you look at him, he has all the qualities of a champion. So, and also, let's not forget, because I forget that everyone forgets this, I think, Last year was his first year in MX2 and first year of Red Bull KGM, and no one really knew who he was. No, because the year before, wasn't he like ninth or something? Yeah, in MX250? Like two, this time two years ago, this time two years ago, KGM would have announced that they'd signed him, and there was a shit ton of, well, who the hell is that? And now we're just like, yeah, yeah Bial went, Bial's going to win a championship. Yeah, of course, it's not even worth discussing, is it really? Like, that's, of course that's going to happen. So it's pretty phenomenal. Who, who is. Was it Dirk who who picked up on um, on Vial, or is that other people who have who are making those decisions? I don't know. I'd imagine Smets was involved to an extent. Smets seems Smets is very uh, deep with Vial. Like he's basically Vial's right hand man. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, but Olsen is making a run now for third in the championship, which for Beaton and Renault, that would be huge. Like That would be a huge milestone in both of their careers. But Olsen, he's been there, done it. He's been second before, so third is a bit like meh. But he could potentially... Or if I was a betting man right now, I'd say Olsen takes third in the championship from them both, which would be a nice reward after just being on a struggle bus up until the end of September. So, yeah. that's That's a little battle to watch because it does mean there will be bonus money on the line and that will mean a lot too. Uh, Beaton and Renault and also to Olsen for reasons I just mentioned and great news is Comrade Muse is alive what? whatever he's doing with Stephen Sword is working we have the real Comrade back 
it was a second and two tenths quicker in qualifying. I think second and a second and a tenth quicker in qualifying, and he would have gone even faster because he gave it a stab on the last lap and made a mistake. But he, up until he made a mistake in the last sector, it was his fastest lap by quite a margin. So I don't know. I don't know. I. I really don't know. Like, I, I still don't know what we're getting, what we're going to get from Conrad week to week. But we're going into Lommel now, and that's his bag. So, yeah, like this, this could be very good for him. Confidence-wise, it could be very good. Do you think he wins before he gets a podium? Like, could his first podium be a win? I don't know because I, I, I kind of subscribe to the theory that you have to podium before you win to like kind of. Like, you know, the stepping stones kind of thing. But he's proven that he has the speed to win. He's seen the, he's seen the front now. Like, uh, Mantova, the moto that Watson and Beaton were battling in, um, Muse sort of could see them the whole time. So that's obviously given him, like, confidence, reinforced, like, you are capable of doing this. So now, I guess the only thing to, left to do is tick that box. But it's insane. When you think about... The first race after COVID, the MXGP of Latvia, he didn't score points straight up. And now he's just yeah. like, well, yeah, Conrad could win a GP. And we wouldn't even be surprised. I don't, I wouldn't. Now, if Conrad goes out and wins a GP, I wouldn't be surprised. No. No. He wasn't that far off um, a podium in Italy. He's been close a few times now. Yeah, was it one point in Italy? Yeah, he was, he was off the podium. Now it's just a case of ticking the box and getting it done and then getting that monkey off your back. I actually I didn't ask him on Sunday, but I didn't be interested to know how much of a monkey that is. Like like how how now desperate he is just to finally get that first podium and get it out of the way. I'll tell you what as well, Hikati as a team are like seem to be in a really good place at the moment. Like Compared to, I feel like they've come a long way from, say, five years ago, or say the team that Ben was on. I feel like they've really kind of re-established themselves as a really good team to be on. So, that's good. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's obviously BC, Brian Connolly, who's, um, you know, a really good prospect for that team, you know, going forward. He, he knows the industry, he knows bikes, he worked with Brian McKenzie for years and years and years. He's a real nice guy as well, he's quite a... A measured guy in there with a calming kind of, you know, kind of uh, ability. I, I think he's a, a great asset for the team. Um, they have riders which seem to be happy, and yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's definitely a, a way different team to to five years ago. Is there anything else you want to add to MX2? I don't think Kevin Horgmo is sorted out with what he's doing next year, but good to see him fourth in time practice and qualifying as a little sign of like what he can do just needs to do it when it counts, I guess. But I hope he gets something because I do still feel like there's untapped potential there. Yeah. He's, he's had a tough old year. Like it hasn't been a good season for him, not by any extent in the imagination, but I do believe there's more to give. I don't believe this is him. So, and also, um, no, not really shown lately or Spain at least, but Bailey Malkowicz has really, um, or Mike Wazowski has really, made steps forward lately. And I would hope that he'll get another shot next year in a normal season because I now believe he has potential. Do you think um, they will stick with both of those riders? I don't know. Who, who knows with a team like that? 
they're Australian, so they tick a lot of boxes for Honda 114 Motorsports, who seem to just love Australia. Well, I imagine they. I, I think. I imagine they go to Australia to sign riders, go to duty free at the airport, and buy lots of like "I visited Australia" t-shirts. I love Australia, like hat with corks coming down. Buy a didgeridoo, like lots of tourism stuff. So just love Australia. Okay. Yeah, great, great, great insight there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I reason why I say that is obviously with the demise of Geico in America and reduced rides. There's got to be some teams talking to some American MX2 riders. I heard, I didn't hear what teams, but I got told on in Spain that some teams have shown interest in Mumford. Yeah, and I would be all in if Mumford comes to GPs because that'd be sick. He would get, he would have more of a following, I think, than Mitchell Harrison did. Yeah, but I don't think it will happen. Yeah, I think it will end up staying in America, and I presume that one of the teams talking to him is Bud because that just seems to happen. Whenever an America, whenever an MX2 American comes over, but who knows? Just a little rumor I heard. Yeah, I just, I, I, I just wonder whether it's a, an American rider, given what, um, you know, they look for. I just wonder whether we, we would see an American on on one one four, but who knows? It would make sense. I was a, if there is a smart team, they would knock on some doors because it's worth. And it. you got to think. You got to think Dixon's probably in the in the market for a second MX2 rider. Uh, I don't know. I think MX2 is kind of done as far as city seasons done, as concerned, as far as factory teams go. Anyway, MX2 is Vial. Uh, MX2 for KTM is Vial Hoffer. Potentially another announcement coming there. Yep, which we know about. You're not going to shout that one out. Obviously not. This is actually another fit, another grind my gears thing. Oh, so there's a few announcements coming that that we're sat on. And people are like, well, just say it. But I will never say something that's happening if a rider says to me, if, a, if I find out from the rider and they go, don't tell anyone, obviously I'm not going to tell anyone. If I find out through my own means of like, just random people like in the paddock telling me, then I'll like, because I found, I found out by myself. But if a rider specifically comes up to me and goes, yeah, I'm doing this next year, don't tell anyone though. But obviously I'm going to keep that a secret. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just common like rule of how it works. Yeah, it just it's more of a case in Europe because there aren't as many like gear guys and people like that. So a lot of the rumors come or the talk comes straight from the riders. Yeah, which means more secrets have to be kept. Whereas like in America, you hear rumors from gear guys, mechanics, stuff like that. Whereas that isn't really a thing in Europe because most of the mechanics don't speak English and there's no gear guys or anything like that. No. Anyway, um, Yamaha is Gertz and Renault. Uh, Husky is Olsen and DeWolf. Uh, what other teams are there? F&H. I don't know about F&H, but I presume it's just going to be the same. I'm pretty sure it will be the same. I know Harrop's back there. Uh, I presume Moostite will be, and I presume Borromeo is, because that's a... I think F&H are keen on developing their riders, so I don't ever see yeah. F&H being the type of team that is like in, out, in, out, changing riders every year. I feel like I'm missing... A factory team. Oh, I have no idea what Gas Gas is doing. And that's actually going to be interesting because um, obviously Sado and Lagenfelder uh, both got injured and now they've got Gifting and Sandner as filling riders. Sandner's kind of done fuck all. But Gifting has actually shown enough where I think Gas Gas have to consider giving him a ride for next year. Just off of the back of what yeah. the team this year. 
So I'm interested. I'm actually really interested to see what Gas Gas do next. Yeah, he's looked really good. Really but, uh, good. Equally, so did Lagenfelder and so did Sido. So I don't know what how that decision gets made. Yeah. Unless they increase. Do you want to talk about the Wolves deal a little bit? We haven't spoken about that yet. Yeah. Do you think he's ready? Why? What's There's no harm in coming up too early. That's, this is my, um, my stance on it. Like, he's not, no, no one's saying that he's going to come in and win GPs, win titles, or, okay, you've got a one-year deal. You have to impress. He's coming in to learn. It will probably be rough at points. There will probably be a few crashes. But come 2022, he'll be a better rider for it than he would be from just sitting in EMX 250 for another year. Maybe he'll win the EMX 250 title. But he doesn't need to do that because his future's mapped out. Someone like Guardaganini winning the EMX 250 title would be big for him because that's something for him to sell to teams moving forward. But, and this is an opportunity for him to prove himself. DeWolf's already on a program. So it makes sense for riders in DeWolf's position, Prado's position, uh, Hoffa's position, uh, and others to fast track through the system because they have no need to hang around. They might as well get in there and get experience while they can. Whereas a rider like Guadagnini, if he went up to MX2 this year, then, and he like sucked and struggled and crashed and made mistakes, I feel like he'd be written off just because he doesn't have the. Uh, there's not a manufacturer developing him. Yeah. Do you want to talk about EMX250? We've never done it, but I'm, I am into EMX250 right now. No, we're going to be into fucking Christmas if you don't stop talking. No, just not not the class as a whole, just the title fight, because it is actually quite interesting. Do you want to chuck 125 in there as well and do some no, fucking WMX? No, not at all. You could, have, you could have braced me for that. Uh, can, can, can we not? Let's do a separate separate show for that sort We're of not stuff. Doing, I'm, not, I'm not looking to break down every single rider. I'm literally giving me two minutes to say something about EMX. No, we're, we're, like, we're two hours in. People, have, people can barely get to work and back and try to get this podcast in. You keep fucking talking. We would have been done by now. What about ask vice, ask vice anything? But me saying a two-minute thing about EMX 250 isn't going to change that. It's never two minutes. Okay. Jesus Christ. Get a stopwatch going, and you can cut me off at two-minute mark, and I will You obviously off. don't give a fuck about what I want, so you crack on and talk about EMX. I'm no, going to go and make a cup of tea. two-minute stopwatch on, and I will stop talking as soon as that two-minute buzzer hits. Rob, do you want a coffee? No, you, I tell you what. I will go make a cup of tea. No, we're not doing it. Okay, we won't talk about EMX 250 then. Okay. What do you want to talk about EMX 250 about? All I was going to say is all along it's looked like Beniston's like super dominant and like going to win this title. He might just blow this. And it will be the biggest... Biggest blow since Grinder. It will be the biggest like, oh my God, how did he lose that in a very long time? He was like 50 points up at one point. But Guadagnini's won six motos in a row. First rider to do that since Mel Pocock in 2012. And it's actually coming down to the wire. And it's quite exciting, I think. And also, Beniston, I believe, is going to take Renault's ride at SM Action next year. But yeah, it's, it's coming down to the wire. And I think it's quite an interesting one to follow because Guadagnini's come from a ways back. And Beniston has... The shine has gone off Beniston a little bit. Like, is Latvia a result of 1-2, 1-1, 1-3? And his last three rounds have been two seven eight two three three. Like, and that three three in Spain wasn't 
Like he had some help to get there. It was sure it would have been a free four. Like yeah, just int- it's an interesting one to follow. It wraps up in Belgium. So if you need some, if you need some a reason to get into EMX two fifty, have a look at that title fight because Guadagnini's putting on one heck of a charge down to the wire. That's all I've got to say. Wow, quick in it. That was that wasn't even two minutes. Right, question. That's what she said. Right. So um, yeah, should we do? Are you happy to go go forward with questions now? Right. Do you want to read the Liat? Do a little Liat intro. Yeah. Actually, I think I didn't give you the new Liat, a new Liat intro, and I know you're a bit run burgundy. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you do the Liat intro then? Uh, yeah, well, Ask Vice Anything's presented by Liat, and Liat uh, last week uh, dropped their 2021 motocross range, which in every kind of area is a huge step forward. As far as design goes, for the first time, I feel like the Liat gear just looks really good as standalone gear. I feel like people, I feel it's the type of gear people just go to a shop and buy without having a Liat net brace or a Liat helmet or anything else. I do think the gear is a big step forward for this year. They got an all new helmet as well, which is really impressive. So I'd recommend checking out the 2021 Liat line when you get an opportunity because there's a lot of new and exciting stuff from them. You can, if you go on MXYs, you'll probably see their ad banner. So just click on that and you'll be taken there. Simple. Uh, Dave, if you want to call me after you've listened to the show, and I will process that refund for Leah this week because that was shit, Lewis. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was bad. Well, Leah have got an all new helmet, which is very interesting. But it's it's a genuine... so this all this 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 all new Leah helmet. Then this is what was under wraps. Yeah, um, the Leah helmet comes in three sizes. Got a carbon matrix shell, brain injury reduction. It's got a ProFit elastic okay. comfort liner. Large ventilation channels, four densities of impact foam. It's actually got a visor extender as well. That's something that I don't feel like people, anyone else does. I don't know. No, I've never seen a no. visor extender. I, really, I genuinely really like some of their 2021 gear. The 5.5 Ultra World jersey, the African Tiger one. That's what F- that's what FNH Tiger. wore. Rrr. That's what FNH wore at Mantova Free and uh, Spain. I believe uh, FNH have actually got new gear for Lommel, which is the Skull gear. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Either way, look for, Liette. Look for FNH to be new Liette gear for Lommel. But yeah, if genuinely, if you go... I'll, uh, you know what? When we share this show, I'll share a link to Liat's gear below it. Have a look, because genuinely, you will be quite impressed, and it will... It will change your perception of what Liat gear was before this year. That I am confident okay. about. Okay. Right. Well, thank you. Right, maybe Dave will hold off on that, uh, that refund. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. At Tom Senior, do you think it's about time this age limit was scrapped or at least reviewed? It's getting harder and harder for riders to get deals or to race MXGP. And I can see more guys following Cyril and choosing to focus on domestic championships. Right. This question made me laugh. How does Tommy go into this? Tommy didn't, Tommy didn't go to domestic championships because of the age rule. Not like, I don't understand how Tommy is a factor in this question. Do you? Okay, take Tommy, take, take Tommy out of the question and then answer it. No, I'm actually... Um, 
I've actually got quite a lot of faith in the system now because now that guys like DeSalle are moving on, you're seeing Olsen get a factory right at Husqvarna. You're seeing Watson potentially, I guess, end up at, in the Yamaha. Fact, like it, it seems like the talent is looking being looked after because they're the two big guys moving up this year, and they both got good. They both look like they're going to get good rides. Benno isn't confirmed yet, but I feel confident in where it's heading. Yeah, I don't see like I think also Alvin Uslan's got a move up this year. I guess he won't get a ride, but should he? It's not like he's a slam dunk like Olsen or Ben is. Like, if Olsen or Ben didn't get a ride, it would be a tragedy because it would be like, well, how the hell did that happen? There's always going to be some riders who don't get rides because not, every, like, not everyone can have a ride. Like, there has to be a cutoff somewhere. So as long as the top-tier talent gets looked after and doesn't get scrapped, I'm happy. And that seems like it's going that way. And it will continue to go that way the more that uh, DeSales, Paul Anne's, uh even Koldenoff's getting up there now, Crowley's, like, spaces are going to open up soon for, to, for developing talent. Like, in two years, MXGP class will look completely different. So, Yeah, i I, I got to be honest. I think it's, it's done its job, and it's great. However, I think, um, a bit like America, you should be any age, whatever the fuck you want. If, if, you're, if, if you're fast enough. You're saying something that you don't know about. America isn't just crack on, have a ride. America has its own version of the rule. It's not an age thing. It's a points thing. They're not, they're not saying crack on in 250s, mate. Yeah, you want to, yeah, crack on, mate. Yeah, have a laugh. No, they've also got a rule that churns out talent and forces it, forces it into um, 450 class. Shane McElrath has got to move to 450s this year and doesn't have a deal. Yeah. J-Mart skipped Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake City races because it was the only way for him to avoid having to move to 450s. So for you to think that America is just, ah, yeah, 250 class, uh, yeah, Matt, you want to, yeah, crack on, mate, come on down, we'll have you. No, it's just a different version of the age rule. It's got, in some ways it's better, but in some ways it's probably worse. Like, yeah. But what's, but what's wrong with a guy who's very good on a 250 being there for five years and winning world championships because he's the best in the world on that bike. Oh, what? So you, so you would be okay. okay so in, in eight years, Alvin Usland is still in MX2 and he's won the world championship. You are going to sit on this podcast and give him full credit or will you be saying that it's ridiculous that he's still in that class racing 19-year-olds? No, I'll say better late than never. No, that's, see? It's, some, some people, it takes three years. It would take Alvin eight. No, no, this is my, that's my point. People just, I don't know. I don't know. It's clearly fine. I just think if you're good enough, then you should be able to ride. This is, no, but I almost agree with that, but in, in favour of the rule, if you're good enough, you're going to be looked after and you're going to have a ride. You shouldn't be able to stay in MX2 as a safety blanket. But some people just don't want to ride a 450 or are not very good on 450, but on yeah. 250, they're that, very good. That's never how it, the sport has worked. The sport has never worked where, so oh, I don't want to ride a 450. The sport, from, from the moment you get on an auto, the sport is building you up to a 450. It's never building you up to an MX2, do you want to stay here? Well, yeah, stay here. Even before the age rule, it was always a thing of like, Rise up, rise up, rise up. Oh, you've hit MX2. Well, 450 soon. Like, it's never like that's just the way the sport has always worked. It's a top thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's your opinion. 
and, oh, and that's oh, my yeah. opinion. I just think if if you if you're good enough, then you're good enough. So yeah, it doesn't matter on age. It's, it, can, it should it should come down to ability. It shouldn't come down to age. And that's my that's just my opinion. I I understood why they done it and it worked. But in your Simple way of that. saying that, then you're saying that the MX2 class should be a class for less uh, talent. You're saying that the MX2 world champion who gets all of the celebration, gets still gets MX-wise coverage, interviews the same as the MXGP world champion, you're saying that that person could be someone who actually isn't good enough to be an MXGP, but yeah, they can still be a world champion. Sure, we celebrate everyone. Yeah, but you could just have, if you win the, the, the uh, I don't know, we, we could be here arguing all the time. I just think that you should be whatever age you're saying that you like it. So that's cool. Let's move on. At Masters MX 2013, of all the 450 guys that are up in 2020, who is most likely to end up with nothing right now? Tonus. Easy. Haven't heard his name mentioned once in any rumor of any kind or any discussion at all. Proof, not actually, good. of how timing is important because had Tonus's contract been up last year instead of this year, I presume he would have got something because obviously last year was really good for him. But every, like time stands still for no one and everyone's forgotten about that now and it's just focusing on how bad this issue has been. Yeah. At Phil Malins, any news on next year's calendar? I think they'll be saying in a couple of weeks. But I haven't heard anything. But then how do you, I don't, I genuinely don't know how you make a calendar. Like, I guess you make no. it under presuming that everything's going to be okay and then again make for changes if you need to. I don't know. I guess that's the way you've got to do it. You can't make a calendar for COVID because if COVID does fuck off, then you're like, well, I've got a COVID calendar now. What do I do? Like, so I guess, yeah. Okay. Uh, at Phil White192, I heard the Coldenhoff silly season talks, but do you think Gasgas are going to push to keep him after his great performances this year? Non-biased response, please, as I know Lewis thinks he sucks. I don't think Gas Gas have got the same budget as Yamaha do, so it's kind of, that's that. So it's more looking like he's going to be on, on Yamaha. Yeah, I'd bet money is Yamaha next year. I don't know if Yamaha, I, Yamaha's two riders at the moment, but I hear that maybe there's a chance it'll be free again. I don't really know, so that's an interesting one to watch. So could that be Watson? I don't know. I don't really know. I, I, I know the whole Yamaha structure is still a bit up in the air of how it's all going to work. So, right. but Ben said he's in talks with the Yamaha family. So, okay. At Rakax Thomas, with MXGP being the toughest motocross class that's ever been, are the riders' salaries justified? And why that is so much mystery about it, unlike other sports where it's public knowledge of what rider player earns. I don't know, actually. Um, what do you reckon? Well, the first one's like you can say that everyone deserves more money, but what about the second part? What do you think of the second part? Yeah, I think um, I, I think it's a little bit different, I guess, because football clubs are a business, and um, you know, it's the UK. You can go into company's house, and you can get a, a breakdown of it's. It's easy to find that information, but I guess with uh, motocross, you'd have to do some serious um, investigations to try and find those um, sums of money. 
So maybe it's because no one's really looked. Have you ever gone on to try to get a breakdown of Yamaha's finances? No, I haven't, funnily enough. No. I'll put Is it the sort of thing you'd look to do? I'll put on my balaclava and pick up my gun and I'll try and see what I can do. Okay. Well, yeah, so some, some information's like, you know, widely, widely available. Some isn't. I guess, I don't know. Um, I guess it's one of those things that if you're on the, in, in the inside, you kind of know what riders are asking for salary-wise and what people are getting signed for. But it's never really given out in public as common knowledge. In some cases, if it was public knowledge, a lot of people would be sad to learn how much some people are making. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, I don't know if it's, if it's right or wrong, but, you know, we, we've heard of some riders taking GP rides for 20000 so twenty thousand wouldn't even cover your cost of living, let alone anything else. So you, you got to think that some some of the riders in in MXGP are willing to take a salary of twenty thousand just to get a, a ride on a decent team. You know, yeah, but in a sense, then, like also gambling on yourself. And it, so I guess, like, to each their own. Whatever your, however you want to approach, like, if you believe in yourself, then you will gamble on yourself and do whatever you take. Like, believe that you can turn a free ride into a million-dollar ride. I guess that's why a lot of people do it, because they're like, right, I can do this. I just need a foot in the door. I think the difference between um, motorsports and, and when you look at other sports like football and rugby and stuff like that, the difference is, is that these guys put their lives on the line, which is completely different to a footballer who, worst-case scenario, broken leg or um, you know, head trauma and, and has to give up um, playing football. Um, with motocross, unfortunately, there is this uh, this this danger of of it, it, that could literally be my last last day, um, which no one wants to talk about. No one wants to ever, you know, bring to light. But it you, you with with all motorsports, it's all the same. If if somebody was offered a very good ride on a very good team in Formula One, but the salary wasn't there, then then what do you do? Do you take do you take the the best car possible to try and build yourself up, like you just said, Lewis. But at the same time, I think, okay, you get a salary from the team, but maybe the riders need to have good people around them who can negotiate sponsorship contracts and and look outside of, you know, look inside and outside of the sport. There's, there seems to be plenty of money around. Uh, everybody keeps, keeps talking about um, there's no money in motocross. I'm seeing plenty of it from from uh the companies which are involved they're they're doing a very very good job in it's one of the busiest years for a lot of brands and manufacturers so there's 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 money there however how this money's getting filtered down to to these riders and stuff i, I don't know but there is money in motocross and anybody who tells me that there's you, you, i don't know what planet you're on but there is there is money in motocross so um i i don't think that riders Get the, the the but you could say that with with everything everything um but you look at football and they they have the whole TV thing we 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 don't have TV within um, motocross I think Formula One has TV rights or they negotiate their TV rights I'm guessing that the TV rights for for MXGP are are by in front so I think riders now have got to be pretty savvy with um, how they maximise their uh, sponsorship and their salary away from the team. I think that's the, the sort of thing they need to look at. Uh, next question. Yep. 
Okay. At Little Chris Cam, it's mostly been Viao and Gertz up front, apart from a few motos, really. I really thought the likes of Moustike and Buarami would have been challenging them more. Is there a reason that FH, FNH lads are not always there? I am... Um... Compared to where FNH were in Latvia, there's definitely been a drop-off. And like I've said a few times, I'm, I'm, I'm almost waiting for Moose Dyke to win one, and I don't really understand why it's not happened yet. But they are all in kind of a first year, in a sense. Like obviously, it is Moose Dyke's first year in MX2. It's Harrop's first year in MX2. And it's Brara May's first year on what I would say is a professional structured program with a trainer and everything. So, I guess we'll see the results of that next year, more so than this year, but there's definitely been a bit of a drop-off. The good thing is they've both got the raw speed they need, and if you've got that, then it can be harnessed and turned into the results you want. But, yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely become... The MX2 class is now becoming more of what we thought it would be from the beginning, with Olsen being the one with the Alan Gertz, rather than Moose Dyke and you know, stuff like that. So. At Bertie underscore Vib. Is there any talks on Guadag... Is it Guadagini? Guadagini. Uh, maybe, okay, maybe joining Factory Husqvarna in MX2 for 2021. No, uh, Husqvarna are done with Beaton, DeWolf, and Maxime Grach in the MX250. Guadagini in New okay. no, I think. So, next cool. question. Okay. At our Davis 284 which riders have to move out of MX2 this year, who is left to fight for the MX2 title next year? It's only Ben Olsen and Usland. So you're, this will be one of the rare times where we go into an MX2 next year with exactly the same title fight as we had this year. It's rare for two yeah. riders to be in that position in MX2 two years in a row and almost have a rematch because normally someone has to move up or someone does move up. So... Like, for instance, Jonas and Prado battled for the championship. We never got to see a rematch because Jonas went up. Like, Tommy and Hurlins battled for the championship. We didn't get to see a rematch because Tommy went up. So it's actually going to be interesting to have a real second go at that title fight. But yeah, that's... Yeah. Moustak beaten will still be there. Moustak will still be there. Borough May will still be there. Gertz, Renault, like, so... It'll look most okay. the same. At Andy Mac underscore 11... British MX has a lack of depth on the GP circuit. Worrying times, or can you see it changing? Oh, I just remembered something else I wanted to say. Rant about. Fair bloody play to Ashton Dickinson. Instead of fucking around in England and getting his foot, like trophy and like, oh, I've got a trophy, Instagram, I've got a trophy, way. He's out here, at, he's gone to every GP recently. At some hasn't scored any points, but he's finally starting to see the reward for that. And he had, I'll get his exact results up, but he ran top 10 for quite a while in the first MX2 motor on Sunday and didn't look out of place. And I've got to think, if he hadn't committed and invested the time beforehand to be a Mantova and stuff, that wouldn't have happened. Because he wouldn't have had A, confidence, and B, he would have just been like a deer in headlights and got swallowed up immediately. This is what I've been saying all along. It's no good fucking around in England. You've got to get into MX2, EMX, and make your claim and learn and prove that you're willing to be here. You can't just sit in England and wait for something to happen. You've just got like the same um, fair play to Bobby Bruce, who went to Mantua 3 and did EMX 125 and almost won the thing. Like he could have gone to the last round of EMX Nationals that weekend and probably won his class and that would have looked great on Instagram. But he travelled down and I'm certain he would have opened some eyes and some teams would have gone, huh, 
Never seen that guy before. He's quite good. Wonder where he's come from. So fair play to those two riders for actually cracking on and giving it a good go. Wow. Wow, look at you. Look at you being all supportive. Well, Ashton Dickinson on the, actually had a good gate on uh, race one and, and was in uh, ninth position for a slap. That's what I said. And then he ran, he ran top 10 for the first seven laps. Yeah, like, and that's what I mean. Had he gone to, had he say he hadn't done a GP all year and had just turned up at Spain for a laugh, could just, I'll just do one and prove myself, he probably would have started ninth and just buckled because there's no experience. You can't just turn up at one GP a year and be like, yeah, I'll turn up at one, show what I can do. You've got to, it's, it's a lot of money and it's a lot of hard work, but it's got to be a bit of an investment and like, you've got to, be there consistently, otherwise no one recognises you. Like I'm sure people now know the name Ashton Dickinson, whereas they probably didn't three months ago. Absolutely, and, and you've got to think that um, he beat Vassen in that race and Horgmo. Also, and Usland. a podcast with Ashton Dickinson will be up on MX Vice very soon. Been trying to arrange it for a month now, but it looks like we're finally going to get it done. So I will be talking to him all about this and how he isn't fucking around in England. Wow, I might actually listen to that one then. Yep, been trying to arrange it for a while, but we finally made progress this week. Great. Are we worried about the lack of depth in the British cha- in the British MX? We'll be all right for a little while yet with Sterry, Watson, and Muse, like even going into four fifties. Um, who knows what's going to happen with MX two and British riders? Like, obviously, next year it'll just be Muse in there. Um, I mean, you got you got Bruce, you got uh, Rizzy, you've got uh, AJ Wade. Um, that's three good talents coming through. You've got um, also Charlie Heyman, who's who's, who's dominating uh, at the moment. He's looking very good. But again, it, it all goes on how, how they switch to the bigger bikes. Sorry, he's on an eighty-five, that kiddie. Yeah, yeah. So when he gets on a one-two-five, straight into fucking Europe, straight there. <laughs> Like, <laughs> literally, no one, no one gives a fuck. Straight to Europe. Finish 30th. Okay, you f- promise. You finish 30th, I will personally write something on Twitter or something saying, well done for finishing 30th, so you get your recognition. Because straight to Europe. If you genuinely believe you can make a career of motocross, straight to Europe. Maybe hope that COVID is gone, because it'll make it a bit easier. But straight to Europe. Well, Ashton Dickinson is, isn't the only one this year. Um, there have been uh, a couple of other British riders who have been riding in MX2. I know one was um, uh, Chris Mills, who's been trying to compete. And uh, there's another one who listens to the podcast show, I believe. I'm just trying to think. His name's escaped me. I don't know who's on about. Uh, MX2 rider. Pretty sure he rides Yamaha. Might be for JK. I don't think JK have got a British rider this year. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they have. Pretty sure they've got two riders. Glenn Mayer and... Oh, no, it's not... Sorry, it's not JK. It's Tom Grimshaw who's riding Husfarna. Yeah, yeah. So he's on the... Is that Chambers? Chambers Husfarna? Yeah. So... um, I thought that Chambers team was supposed to be doing GPs this year. Or at least a lot of them. They were. Yeah, they were. I'm guessing they've... um, Because I'm pretty sure they were the two, weren't they? Uh, yeah, because they had obviously Jake Millwood. I, I, I thought they were doing uh, the full GPs, but I don't know. Is COVID's a special yeah. time when plans change? 
they were at Vulcan Stars. So I guess that changed their plans. So instead of going straight to Europe, they got straight out of Europe. They, it, hey, it's COVID. It's hard times. Yeah, no, I'm not. Right. I'm joking. That's fair enough. But still, my point stands. Straight to Europe. Straight to Europe, yeah. Uh, at Mark Davis, 3199, do you think we will get a GP at Matterley in 2021? Yeah, I heard it. I, uh, I'm pretty sure GP at Matley's confirmed just for date isn't decided yet, or Bass as far as... The, I think I last spoke about that like three weeks ago. So I guess it might change since then, but GP at Matley's confirmed as far as I know. Great, good news. Uh, at Chris Matthews, did Muse assign too early? Could he have got a factory ride? No. No, I don't think he could have got a factory well, ride. We've just kind of confirmed that all the factory seats are gone. Yeah, maybe, like maybe if he'd signed a one-year deal instead of a two-year deal, he could have got a factory ride for his last year. But again, is a factory team going to pick up someone who's going into their last year in MX2 or someone who's going into their first year in MX2? Yeah. And also... And if anything, he's at KTM. Uh, he's backed by KTM UK under Hitachi. They can get, and he has had before, factory help. Yeah, and... Um, Hitachi's working for him if it ain't broke why try and fix it yeah yeah it's definitely working at Chris United 93 also is Zach Osborne one of the best comeback stories in the sport from reject in the US to MXGP back to the US champion probably I think it is um, I mean it's unreal what he has achieved because I can remember watching him uh, him and Tonus at Canada Heights in what 2012? Yeah, that's it's you crazy. Think about him going from GPs to America, and it's like that's mad. When you think he went from British Championship to America, then you're like, oh yeah. wow, he's even further. It's, he was even further down the order than MXGB. Yeah, it's um, it, I, I think it's an, an outstanding achievement, and and not only to be to be where he was, you know, we're talking about a rider who was there at British Championship Canada Heights to then beating the best of the best. And um, congrats to Fly Racing on their first 450 title and also on a, them winning a 450 title with the Formula helmet that Zach Osborne uses and endorses. You would think that, like, I think Covington was arguably on track to do something similar. Like, he did, he, yeah. like, he, um, he arguably had more success than Osborne in MX2. So, yeah, just tip of a hat to like like Covington's career is done now but he also did achieve a lot in his MX2 days which again people yeah. might because yeah. like short memories and all that I, I just I just think I, I know we've, we're not talking about it but I just think it's a shame it's like I just hope he doesn't I, I just hope he doesn't live to regret that decision well, because it's a shame to sales retire like, so it's, it's always a shame isn't it yeah well you kind of caused that at Masters MX 2013, is the Tassel news a shock or just confirming what was already rumored and who is in the frame? The kind of rumor spawned from you, though, didn't it? I never said he was going to retire. Mm. Um, a shock? The only shock is that he's announced it now. Like, it's ha- like if he'd announced this in, after the last round, I would have been like, okay, fair enough. Like, he hasn't found a ride that warrants him continuing. But if, for him to just pull the plug now, I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's a bit not hanging around with 10 everyone. But I guess you'd, I'd, if I was in his shoes, I'd want to tell everyone now so that I can properly soak up my last six GPs. Well, it comes nice going into home GPs. So he, at least he can kind of, I would say, say farewell to the fans, but there, is, there isn't going to be any there, is there? 
No, no fans in Belgium. But uh, tickets are on sale for Trentino if you, anyone wants to fly to Italy to watch. Oh, wow. Watch the last yeah. GPC champions get crowned, have a little holiday. You could, you, there's a travel cor- corridor from the UK to Italy, so you don't have to quarantine when you get back. So, yeah, any, anyone out there just wants a little break? Congrats. Okay. Got one. At Stuart CMX, congratulations to Clement on a great career. Always enjoyed watching his unique riding style. It's fair to say he was an old school racer. It was difficult to pass and made his presence felt on the track. What was your best memories of him on track? Mine was in 2018 when he won the overall in Russia. The only GP KTM didn't win that year in the MXGP series. You can go first. Uh, I'm going to pass on this one. I'm going to let you answer this. <laughs> Actually, I've got to say, my uh, best memory, and it wasn't anything to do with winning, but I think it was 2000 and... I feel like you're going to say something. Now, like... no, two, 2019 in Argentina, oh. when everybody kind of wrote him off. And literally, he came out swinging. He looked so goddamn fast that weekend on that track. And it was a massive reminder of, don't write me off. And I, that's, that's my biggest and best reminder of, of DeSalle when it's kind of like, it, he really did throw it down and just, it was a reminder of, yeah, I'm still there. And I'm still fast as fuck. Best memories is weird. It's like, this isn't a best memory at all. But my first... Someone to say, mentions Clement de Salle's career. The first thing I immediately think of is the 2012 season where Caroli went DNF, DNF at Udavala. De Salle clawed the points back, got the red plate. And then, like, I guess it was a missed opportunity, so I guess it's not best memory. But that's just the first thing I think <laughs> of, the very first thing that my mind goes to. And then for some reason, I, after that, the second thing that my mind goes to is the Brazilian GP in 2009 which was the last round, and he was on an LS Honda at that point. But for some reason, in my head, I have the clearest like memory of watching TV and him winning that race, and I have no idea why. And also, something else that I weirdly have a clear image in my head of is a photo of him scrubbing that jump at Tushintal on a privateer Suzuki with fox gear. And he was wearing the fox gear that was white with black checkers. Actually, I just thought of um, my second favourite memory of the cell was 2013 in Lirop where he was looking, yeah he was looking looking at a line and he fell off on the sighting lap yeah I thought you were going to say that the first time I was worried you were going to say that had a little roll down a little roll around it's not back up again. people will not remember just how good he is like um, another thing I think obviously crashed in front of me at Villa's uh, Susakot in 2015 which basically did his championship in. But up until that point, one of the many examples, he was four points down on Nagel in the championship going into that round. And as we know, Nagel ended up injured. Crony was third. He ended up injured. Like, like if you, okay, just as a, an example of how DeSalle could have, should have, would have been world champion at some point, that 2015 season, after Matterley, which was round uh, seven, DeSalle was Four points down on the leader, who crashed out eventually. And 45, 55, 65, 75, 85. Uh, he was 56 points up on Fevra, who was the eventual champion. So, like, 
had he not got injured, which I guess you could say that about everyone, he could have easily been world champion that year as well. Like he could have been world champion. He could have been a multi-time world champion, let alone a one-time. Yeah, could have, should have. I feel like I should have done the questions this week as based on um. Probably a good cool. idea. Yeah, probably a good idea if you've done your job properly. Huge thanks to Liat for Ask Vice Anything. Do you want to do Lommel predictions? Uh, yes, I will do Lommel predictions with you. I will shoot shit with you for five more minutes, and then I am definitely going. Do you like how I had to jump in and say that? Because I knew you were just going to shut this shit down. I was off. I had one foot out the door. Give me, give me one shock. No, give me one person who will surprise at Lommel, and one person... Who will not surprise at Lommel? Okay. That's a shit way. One person who will be a, who will be a like, oh, that's not very good at Lommel. Okay, let's do MXGP first then. I'm going to go... Okay, my shock is Koldenhoff going 1-1. One, one. Okay. That's your opinion? Yeah. Prado second and February third. I just shot you three times. Yep. Coldenoff was third overall at Lommel last year behind Feather and Geyser. So would have been fourth overall if Max didn't crash out the first right there in the first time. My shock is that Geyser, across the Lommel week, Geyser will be better and more consistent than anyone thinks in the stand, and not really give up that many points. Okay, I fell asleep. Let's go on to MX2. What? what? Yours was a million times... Your speech was a million times longer than my one. <laughs> Who's second and third then? First, second and third. We were, I didn't think we were doing predictions like that. I just said to name a shock, and that'll be... That's, if you want... I'm not saying guys will win. If you want my top three for Lomo this weekend, I'll go Prado... Caroli Geyser. No Koldenhoff? No, Pro, uh, Prado, Koldenhoff, Crowley. Guys are four. Okay. okay, and what about MX2? I like how I put Koldenhoff second overall and no one, no one stops to say nice guy Lewis. Nah. Yeah. MX2? MX2, my shock is that... Uh, actually, I'll just go exactly the same as MXGP. Vial's going to be way better than anyone thinks in the sand, maybe win one of the rounds, not give up much points. And everyone will realise that they were stupid to say that Gertz was going to pull back 52 points in one week. MX2, I will go with... Gertz will win this weekend if he yep. stays up, which seems to be a bit of a problem. Gertz, Olsen, Vial. Okay, I'm kind of going to agree. Gertz, Olsen, Vial. That's the kind of way I see it. Well, Unfortunately. Moose Dyke, like Moose Dyke. Like, well, actually, I don't know. Now that I think about it's it, close. You've, got, you've got Watson, you've got Moose Dyke, you've got um, uh, Muse. Uh, I think they're all going to be there. I, ex I expect Vassen to, to bounce back this week. Yeah, maybe not at the beginning of the week, but maybe at the end, by the end of the week. Yeah, but I, I think it's, it's, I think Isaac Gifton will be um, up there as well. I think that we could see. In total, in the week in Nobble, there are nine podium spots up for grabs. I would not be surprised if six different riders take those nine spots. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, it's going to be quite open. 
quite able. What were you giving away on MX Manager this weekend? Did we do a giveaway last week on MX Manager? Yeah, you gave away FXR 2021 podium year. Right, cool. Uh, this week, we will give away a set of... MX Vice Prize Pack. A what? An MX Vice Prize Pack. I have no idea what that is. What should we give away? Let's give away a... We'll give away a set of new Yoko One kits. So it's the... You can either choose the black or the orange, but it's the Yoko One kit. It's the it's really, really cool kit. Uh, check it out. If you've not seen it, go on to evenstrokes.com. All the money that we earn from, from uh, Evenstrokes goes into MX Vice and it helps us run the company. Uh, and it will probably make a, a big difference to us next year as well because it's going to be a hard old year. So um, if you get a chance, go on to MX Manager. Get your team in this week. If you want to play, pay premium, you, that, that option's still there. we still got the KTM giveaway. And uh, yeah, Yoko one kit up for grabs. One love. Is that cool? Yep. One love. All right, as always, thanks for the support, guys. We, um, we really appreciate it. It's great that you guys uh, still listen. 47 episodes in. Big thanks to Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Yoko York, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, Hinson, KYB, Seven, Even Strokes, Kawasaki UK, and Talon Engineering. I'm off to uh, go and package up some t-shirts we were supposed to give away six weeks ago as prizes. And um, we'll see you next week. Say bye, Liz. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Hinson is the world-leading manufacturer of clutch baskets, clutch covers, clutch discs, and springs for both dirt bikes and quads. Hinson products are used by many leading riders like HRC Honda, Monster Energy Kawasaki, KTM Factory Racing, and Monster Energy Yamaha Factory Racing. Shop for Hinson products at technical-touch.com. Talon wheels have been iconic in the industry for over 30 years. Designed, built, and manufactured in the UK. Talon wheels, sprockets, and footrests, and clutch baskets are used by professional riders like Jason Anderson, Zach Osborne, and Sean Simpson. Head over to www.talon-eng.co.uk for more info. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Technical Touch have been supplying KYB OEM spare parts and factory kit suspension in Europe for decades. Many of the riders you see on track in the FIM Motocross World Championship are using KYB suspension from Technical Touch. Whether you are looking for factory kit suspension or KYB spare parts and oils, they have you covered. Shop now at www.technical-touch.com. Yoko have returned to top flight motocross with a bang. The Yoko Vili collection is made with racing in mind and designed to be the lightest and most flexible motocross gear on the market. Go to yokoeurope.com to locate your nearest dealer or shop online. The MX Vice Show.